and uh, I uh, I do have something that the Lord placed on my heart. Amen. And as you all know, Elder is on the west side with his wife, and he's uh, being used in ministry there. Amen. I was praying for him this morning and letting the Lord know, use him there mightily. Amen. We want that for our elder. But uh, why don't we turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel? Chapter 18. I, uh, before I go into the word here, I just uh, I wanted to share uh, some things that were taking place in my life. You know, of course, there's always seasons and times that you go through things. But uh, recently, we got these four little ducks. My wife, you know. She wasn't just satisfied with the chickens. She needed some ducks. And uh, it came away of uh, three ducks that were, they were uh, dark mallards. And uh, I brought her another one home, and he was a little yellow one. And uh, her and uh, Sandra named him. She she named the little yellow one Wero, Wera, Wera. But I just call it rubber ducky, you know, because it's yellow. So it's like you know, oh, the little rubber ducky, and he's little, you know, uh, smaller than the rest of them. The other ones are bigger. And uh, you know, the guy told me when I bought the little the little rubber ducky is. Uh, he told me, you got to take it straight home because they're so loving and affectionate. And it can die if you keep it uh, too long away from, you know, other ducks. So I told him, yeah, I'm going straight home. I'm going to take it. You know, I'll throw it in there. And uh, I didn't know if the other ducks were going to, you know, were going to care for it or love it or or, or uh, take it, but man, they did. Brother Sam, they just like, as soon as it went in, it just like curled up in the middle of them. So it's got these three big sisters next to it because uh, I guess all, all the ducks are females. So it's got these three big sisters that just took care of it right away. Man, and it was just warm to 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 see that and and see the love that they were giving it. They just like curdled up to it and shielded it, Ethan. And uh, that's where it remained. It was just like in the middle of them, and you would just see it flopped on top of them. And you know they didn't mind uh, that little that little ducky being there, you know, with them and them taking care of it. And. Uh, it was it's it was uh, something beautiful to 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 see and to be a part of you know these little duckies I, I I didn't know how they 
how they were and how they would take care of each other. So they got these little feathers. <laughs> and uh, they're barely just starting to, to say little quacks, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there is a saying uh, that I've heard before, and it says, two, three, three birds of a feather, they flock together. They come together. And that's important, I believe, of where the Lord is leading and taking us. Amen. These little ducks, I mean, they, they, these, all these hens and ducks, they teach me a lot when I'm in the word of the Lord. And, uh, and I want to I wanna remember that. Amen. But let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and I'm going to start there in verse 1. And it came to pass, First uh, Samuel, Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. I find that so beautiful because Jonathan and David, King David, man, when, when he met Jonathan here, it says that they were knit together. Man, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And it's beautiful because I remember when someone loved me and took of their time to go and teach me Bible studies. And even though I was a rude and mean guy and, you know, sometimes I didn't want that person there, you know, they would come back and they would pour themselves into me. And... You know, when God calls you to part of the body of Christ, there's a love there that takes place that comes from God. When someone will take their time to show you the way, to teach you the things of God. And man, I, I think those were some of the times that I enjoyed the most is just when they came over and they spent time with us. And they talked to us about God because there was times and seasons where I needed those people to be there. And I know that this is the way the Lord does it in the body, right? He places members as he wishes, as he desires. And we're not all the same. We're all different. And God places together. He places us together for his purpose. But it's important to know and understand when he places you in the body. It is truly for his purpose. Because he wants you to surround yourself with people of the same faith, 
Amen. The same belief. The same understanding. So, as you come together in the body, you begin to learn more things about God and more things about of what of his desires similar interests similar you you become connected with that person with similar personality and and uh character because God is shaping and molding his body to the way he is desiring to bring it together. And I see here, you know, Jonathan always, you know, he was the son of, uh, of Saul. And Saul was the king. And David was the son of Jesse. But Samuel came and anointed David as king. Because things begin to happen in Saul's life. Where he began to disobey the direction that God was taking him. The voice of the Lord. And he began to do things that weren't according to God's will and purpose. So Jonathan, he knit himself to David. And that word knit right there, if you look at it, it's, uh, it's to be, uh, well, I'll just read it to you because I don't want to. Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Testament. 
I want the Lord to knit us together for the same purpose of where he's taking us. Uh, I got to find people that are going in the same direction that I'm going to because if I'm in the world and I knit myself together with the people of the world, I'm going to go in that direction. But I want to knit myself with the people of God so that I'm going in the direction of the Lord. Because there's things that my brother and sister are going to bring into my life that normally weren't that I can't figure out for my own self. Because the Lord deals with them differently than he does me. But I need that ministry constantly flowing in my life. Amen. I, uh, I got another verse here. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. And I just want to, I want to speak about the importance of being with those that are precious, like-minded faith. And it says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. The same is with my, with my brother and sister. They're going to sharpen. We're going to sharpen each other as we come together with each other. And I remember, you know, Ethan was talking about this a, a while back, you know, about him being at his home and, you know, his brother going over there and uh, strengthening him. And we need that as we go through, through trials and, and we, we're going to go through uh, seasons in our life where things are going to come our way and we're going to struggle to get to the presence of the Lord and we're going to struggle of going through that through that trial but the Lord knows what he's doing amen and i believe this is what the lord was teaching his disciples you know as they walked with him he taught them you know to be in unity to come together to sharpen each other I, uh, I, uh, that's all the Lord gave me to say. So, you know, I pray that somehow it fits in your life and you'll take it with you. Amen. Brother Renee. Thank you, brother. John chapter four. I allude to what Brother Lewis said about unity, one with the other, in the same way that we would have unity with Christ. And uh, it's been his desire since the beginning with Israel and Judah. Ever since creation, you could say, God desired to be in unity with us and with the church today. It's always been an example in the Old Testament and the New. And it's always been uh, 
for a better purpose than what could we, we could probably understand now. And so uh, I'm going to speak on the Samaritan woman, but I believe that in doing so, the example in the Bible, in the New Testament, God has done uh, exactly what we're going to allude to with unity. Uh, John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse number 5. Uh, 5 to 15. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, which is about, <clears throat> which is about noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Verse 8. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And verse 15 the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And I think it's uh, appropriate to talk about the significance of a well. It seems like God always had something to do whenever there's a well present in the Old Testament. And God was going to move in a particular way with a particular person in each scenario. Uh, beginning even with uh, Abraham, when he went around digging wells for uh you know, for his family, for his cattle and his livestock. Um, the significance of a well even then had a lot of importance to it. Uh, for example, vegetation. If there was water in a well, it's a source of life. If there was green pastures, your animals could eat. If there was sustenance, then you could eat. Water was detrimental. It was so important to our lives. Uh, I mean, it is now too, but even more so then because... We didn't have, you know, the restrictions that they had. Water was easily scarce. And uh, so just to get that in point, whenever there's water and a well, there's a significance for man. There's revival. There's a reviving of man so that he can continue to live and thirst, you know, no longer, at least for a time being. So we find here that in the story of the Samaritan woman in the well, even Jesus himself as man in the flesh came and was wearied. You know, we think of God being all powerful, but when he was here on earth, even he was tired of his journey. It says so right there in the word of God. Jesus, if Jesus can be tired, we can be tired too. But the important thing is in verse 10, Jesus said to this woman, this woman, and I want to make an important note, something we probably have all heard, 
It was in the middle of the day, the sixth hour of the day, at the time when it was probably the hottest, at a time when nobody else would probably get water because it was custom to get water at the start or at the end of the day when the time was cool. So for this lady to be coming out in the middle of the day in the heat, she was probably alone and she was probably uh, hot, you know? And so the timing was very appropriate for God to show up when this woman was there, despite being weary, I should add. But Jesus made an important note. He said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that speaks to you, you would have asked of him, give me living water. And he also says, whoever drinks of this water uh, will thirst again. Why do I bring this up? Living water is a, is a, is a living water is a uh, symbolic for something more so than what we could understand now. Uh, living water to the Samaritan woman was going each and every day to get water just for her day. But Jesus offered something so much more unto everlasting life. And this is where I mean, in the desire of God was unity with Israel since the beginning. He has said time and time again that I am the true living God, and I can give you the fulfillment and sustenance that you need. But if you keep the pact or the covenant or the promise that I have made with you, you will have these things. Jeremiah 2 and 13, for example. God speaking to a rebellious Israel again. Jeremiah 2 and 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no waters. Cisterns, another word for a container, another word for a well that holds water. And they said, in doing so, they've forsaken me, the sustenance of their life. They've forsaken me, who could provide their every need unto everlasting life. And God is speaking to a, to a children of Israel that has forsaken God and wanted to be in a right relationship with them. And Brother Lewis alluded to it, and, uh, and Elder Flowers in the first preaching alluded to it as well. And he sought right relationship with us in a broken relationship where us, the humans, can't keep. There's the human factor. We can't do everything that God asks us to do. God has not failed once but he has kept his promise time and time again. So this is relating to Israel and Judah that would constantly reject the living water. And, uh, and in doing so, they suffered thirst. They suffered stagnant. They suffered dying. Because without water, for so long, you can only go a couple days at best. But Jesus came to offer something more than that a living water that he himself said, I, uh, I am the fountain of living waters. And who can make such a statement but Jesus Christ? You know, John, back to John. I'm going to keep going back to John. John chapter 4, verse number 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. How could he make such a statement? 
How can Jesus here on earth make a statement to a person that might not understand? I'm here for water so that I can live. What are you offering me? Psalms 36, and uh, if you just want to put it on the screen real quickly, Psalms 36, verse 8 and 9. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Sorry, Sister Sally, I'm going too fast. And then again in Isaiah chapter 12, verse number two and three. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. God said here, he has become our salvation. Interesting point. If you didn't know, when he says in verse number two, it's alluding to the name of Jesus, even in the Old Testament. Uh, I just discovered that by accident the other day. It was really cool. So when it says, Jehovah has become our salvation, that literally means Jesus. Praise God. And so how can Jesus make such a statement? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Hart made a, a wonderful teaching of I am where he started in John chapter 6, 7, 8, 10, 12. And he made a statement. One of the first I am's was, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. Amen. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I believe the Lord is asking, do we believe on him so that we may never, we may never thirst? And what an impactful statement for Jesus to make. Because we know Jesus was God. Jesus was God in flesh, and Jesus came here to save us of sin. So Jesus, being here on earth, made a lot of I am statements about who he is and who he was always trying to tell Israel to, to, uh, to pay attention. It's funny to me that he would come to Israel and not reveal himself to Israel, who he was being the son of God. But it's even more funny to me that he would appear himself or reveal himself to a Samaritan, I am the Christ, or he would appear to people that may seem like Gentiles in Galilee or uh, places that nobody would have realized, you know, the demoniac in the gatherings, he revealed himself to be the Christ. He revealed himself and tell them to go and tell your friends all the wonderful things that the Lord has done and wouldn't have done that for Israel. And I often wondered, there was the scripture that said, I have come, but for the lost sheep of Israel. And I always wondered why and why he would reveal himself to us Gentiles or why he would choose to do things in secret, but with others reveal it, you know? And as he was doing these things with the Samaritan, he revealed himself in a miraculous way. He told her all that she had ever done in her words. And she says, 
And what an impactful thing too. She goes into the city where she was from and tells the whole city, come meet this man whom told me everything I've ever done. The only thing he's told her was that he had five wives or five husbands. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that the man he's now with, she's now with is not her husband. But she took that as her whole life. And I think it revealed something in her that, you know, I've had this many marriages and divorces and this happened and this happened, but my whole life is wrapped up in this. And she shared it with the whole city that it even says that they all came out and said, now we don't believe you because of your word, but we believe because we heard of them ourselves. The Samaritan woman was probably somebody that at first glance we would have uh, discredited if she'd been married that many times. And I think it's important, and I'm not trying to like add more than what a uh, scripture may say, but uh, here's an interesting point. In the law of Moses, if there was a bill of divorce been written, you could divorce somebody. And if uh, somebody was to become a widow, they had to go back to their family's home. And so we see here that this woman was married and divorced five times. And it's very probable what the man that she was with now was probably her brother or her father. As Jewish custom said, they had to return to their families. So let's not discredit her just yet. <laughs> you know, this woman went over to Samaria. And I like to believe that this same city was the same city that received Philip when he preached to them the gospel. And, they, and there was great joy in this city. But it all began with a thirst, a thirst for the righteousness of God and a thirst to, I believe, and you can't convince me otherwise, for a right relationship with God, a relationship for unity with him. And the Bible says in John, back in John again, John chapter 7, verse 37, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake ye of the Spirit. And it's a powerful testimony. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. It's an invitation an invitation to right relationship with God. How can God do that unless he's been doing it from the start? Wanting a relationship, a personal relationship. And I think the interesting thing too is that this woman had to come to a place and I think out of sincerity, she had to really tell the Lord, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. I think she came at a right place. She, this was a prayer to God. Give me this water so that I don't thirst, neither come hither to draw. But in herself, she still thought, so that I don't have to come here anymore. And the interesting thing is Jesus met her where she was. She was alone. She was probably hot. She didn't like it. She didn't want to come in the cool of the day. You heard it in the scriptures that said that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. I don't know why, but in that day, that's what was happening. She clearly didn't want to be with the, with the, with the Jews. 
Yet God found her where she was. I can assume she was alone, but I can also assume that she came to God with the right attitude. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw anymore. I believe that can be our prayer every day as we seek God. God, give me this living water. I've drawn long enough. I'm hot, <laughs> you know? I'm alone, but you've met me where I'm at. Give me this water. And what is this water this, that he keeps speaking about? It's the spirit of God that he spake about. The spirit of God that was poured out upon all flesh that was prophesied. The spirit of God that was promised to us on the day of Pentecost as we received it for the first time and the church became the church. That was the unity that God sought from the beginning. Aren't we the body of Christ? Aren't we meant to be dwelling in unity? The way he destined, the way he designed, this all came from a place of love. And uh, I just want to read one other, uh, one other verse, book of Revelation, chapter 7. Verse number 17. Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That is a promise. That is a promise we'll see at the end of time where there will be no more shame, no more suffering. There will be no more pain. And God has promised it to us. But as, as I said it before, it's an invitation and so as we seek the Lord, I wonder if we can just pray to God a sincere and honest prayer. God, give me this water that I may drink unto everlasting life. I'm tired of this life that I now live. I'm tired of having to come at a time. Almost as though I'm just trying to isolate myself. God, give me this water that I may drink. You've offered it freely. This he spoke of the Holy Ghost, that out of his belly, rivers of living water. God, I want this rivers of living water. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Give me this water that I may not thirst. Another scripture says, spring up, O well. And sing ye unto it. This is what the Lord was speaking since the beginning. There is a well of water flowing with rivers of living water. And he is that. The ancient of days is that rivers of living water. The ancient of days is what he's been meaning from the start. I exhort you. You can seek the Lord out in a place of humility and sincerity. And the Lord desires to do great and mighty things through each and every one of you. Seek him and he will be found. In Jesus' name. I'm going to turn this over. Amen, amen. Um, I'm not trying to add to anything they shared. I... Uh, it is the same reason why people that 
start coming to church and I'll speak of my own experience, but uh, when you start coming to church, you're never satisfied, you know, because you're missing that living water. And it's the same reason people, you know, uh, constantly are seeking to fulfill themselves and fill their own lives with their own desires because they're never satisfied. You know, it's, it's true. And, and sometimes in my life, if I'm not careful, you know, I try to fulfill my own desires with just material stuff. And, uh, in my job, it's, um, you know, I see a lot of that, you know, people buying bigger houses and buying nicer cars and always pursuing better stuff. And, you know, they're never satisfied. You know, a lot of the, a lot of these people that I, that I come in contact with, they, you know, they're on their third or fourth home, you know, just constantly buying, buying, produce, you know, and just they're not, never, never satisfied. Yeah. If we're not careful, sometimes we bring that into our relationship with the Lord and, you know, we come to church, but we, he, we never really let him fill us. You know, we're always just seeking for the next, uh, just the next move and then going from move to move and never really being fulfilled and, you know, um, but he can satisfy all our needs, you know, um, and only he can do that. And, you know, he is the living water. And I know that from experience, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we're, we're careful in those areas, not to just come and, you know, go through motions and, you know, do all this stuff that is not fulfilling, you know, I know we have to go through life and I know we have to, you know, and, you know, live in this world, but it's, it doesn't bring satisfaction, you know, only he can do that. And uh, I'm thankful for the word, Brother Renee, I, I know you're, you know, it spoke to me, you know, he's living water. He is the living water, you know, and when I acknowledge that, you know, uh, there's blessings there, you know, and when I, when I walk in, you know, the calling that he's placed on my life and your life. And we realize that he's the living water. We're able to flow out and minister to people. And have you ever, have you ever been around people? And it's like, man, I, you know, I, I, and this is true when I was, when I was in the world, but you know, I, I always just wanted to be around certain people, you know, because it's just some stuff they said was intriguing, you know, and how much more, in the body of Christ that, you know, I would want to be around my brother and my sister or people want to be around me because everything that I speak is living water, just flowing out and how much more in the body of Christ. And, uh, he is the living water. Uh, we can stand and, uh, give him, let's give him praise. I, I know it's, uh, I know we've already been here, but he's trying to speak to us. Lord, Open our ears to hear what you would say to your body this morning. Jesus, I pray you are the living, you are the living water. Father, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence in this place. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Let it be vessels yielded uh, that you can fill us and that we can flow out, uh, that we can speak rivers of living water that we can speak life into situations, Father, that we would open our mouths and that rivers of living water will flow out of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are the source. You are the source. 
We praise you and we worship you in the name of Jesus. We pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are, you are the true rock. You are, Father, the one and true faithful one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I encourage you to read that chapter. It's it's a lot more in there. Sometimes you get more when, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find more when I go back through and study it and read it for myself than to hear it sometimes. So I encourage you to go back and read that chapter. Amen. Greet one another. You're all dismissed. Amen. <laughs>